the sports stance. Tell her to do it one time and it's all good. I want you to keep this in too. I want everyone to know where the how the sausage is made. We'll keep it all in. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to the Sports Dance Podcast with Greg and James. I'm the second part, and with me as always, he has a video montage of all of our highlights set to Skylar Gray's 2010 hit, Coming Home. It's Greg Coward, everybody. What's happening, baby? Oh, it feels good to get back on the airwaves. That's all I can tell you, James. It feels good. We're coming home. You want to know something, boom, boom. And I want to, I want to tell you something, and then this is not just getting mushy-gushy because we're back on the airwaves. I want to tell you that for this, for this one intro, I practiced. Wow, that that makes that touches me in a spot I didn't even know I could feel things. Yeah, I mean, usually you, it takes us like three times where you have to basically sit there and roll your eyes at me while I try to get words out. Yeah, <laughs> usually pretty hard. This time around, got it. First try. I knew it. First time, (laughs) back in action in like months, and you spot on. It was like your first real action since Drunken Super Bowl. Yeah, that's actually very true. And um, now it puts the pressure on you to actually get a highlight reel together of non-existent video clips of us to Skylar Gray's coming home. Yeah, because usually we just do this at uh, blank screens and nothing, not looking at each other. This is the rare time that we actually see each other's face while we record. Yeah, and you know what? Lucky you, because I, I mean, not to toot my own horn real quick off the bat here, but I'm looking good. You are. The beard, it's going nicely. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just so nice and thick and full and manly while you sip your wine. Exactly yeah. what a sports podcast should be. I literally look like, you know, I got like a Tyrion Lannister vibe going to me right now, both in size, like in stature, and then also in beard and wine. Yeah, I mean, it is Game of Thrones season. It just ended. I don't watch it at all, but I know you do. Yeah, the uh, we, we you don't watch it, Greg, so we can spoil everything. Um, spoil away. So, Dragons, yeah. everything. Yeah, ready? The spo- spoiler is uh, Isaiah Thomas's hip is dead. Oh, my God. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into it's it we have a lot to talk about i don't know about. what's going on <laughs> <laughs> we have a ton to talk about though um not just because we had this is our first episode since march um but because the sports world is exploding around us as we speak right yeah, it's a good time to come back i mean we wait it and we wait it and we wait it and we moved some houses and we waited some more <laughs> went to some weddings for friends waited some more you went out of the country waited some more and now we're back your two ships passing in the night, and now all of a sudden it all it all makes sense. It's all coming around. It is, and we're gonna get to all of it. And by all of it, I mean pretty much just the last week of what happened. Yeah, we don't. You know, if you don't know what's happened in the past three months in the sports world, well, you've been living under a rock, or you've been in the Philippines. I don't know. Yeah, wrong podcast, pal. Yeah. Um, but we're gonna get to the Kyrie Irving trade. We're gonna get to the NFL uh, preseason injuries. Mayweather McGregor. Gonna, Mayweather McGregor. We're even talk a little baseball if we're feeling brandy. Um, oh, we're going to feel Randy. I got some scotch going. <laughs> but before we get into anything, before we get into all those beautiful sports dance subjects, Greg, I haven't asked you since March. How are you? <laughs> We've seen each other in person, but it's just not the same. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just not the same. Uh, I've been doing good, James. Uh, I've moved. I bought a house. So, you know, that took me away from a lot of things. I got poison ivy right after I moved into that house, apparently highly allergic. So that was fantastic. But, you know, just, just living the home lover's life, uh, painting, shocking myself with electricity when I try to switch out outlets, just, just learning as I go not to touch things that are still live. You're painting your walls, right? Not just like bowls of fruit or nude people? No, that too. Uh, I, I have taken that up. I forgot to mention that. Uh, you know still- the internet's got nude people all over the place, Greg. Like I could yeah. send you some links. I mean, did you just see the recent Tiger ones? We could talk about that for days, I feel like. <laughs> I mean, he's blazing, and he's certain things below the waist. Let's just put it that yeah, way. Yeah, there's there's not a lot to talk about, to be honest with you. No, this guy's got uh, a big old big old dong. Clearly, he has a driver in his pocket. <laughs> well, it took us about five minutes before we started talking about penises, so I'm proud yeah, of us. That is good. Hey, we haven't even touched on murder, basically, so... Yeah, a lot of penises, but no murder. So we're on a good, we're in a good yeah. stretch right now. Thinking of penises and murders, though, James, how have you been? 
Oh God, I love. I just missed your transitions. <laughs> they got better. They're so smooth. I've really been working. I've been good. And your small talk has gotten even smaller. Fantastic. <laughs> I don't want to give too much away here, Greg. I just want to go ahead and uh, keep the podcast audience in suspense. Where has James been? That's the question everyone's been wondering. You've actually been a lot of places, so it actually would take a while. Yeah, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to go into it too much. Um, just we'll we'll keep up the mystery for mystery's sake, and just say I was uh, I was out there finding myself. I was out there finding my sports stance self, and here I am. There you are. I will say this hint to our, you know, loyal followers. James may have traveled to where we were ranked the 71st sports podcast in the, in the world. That's all I'm going to yeah. say. And where you've already mentioned one time this episode, two times this episode, I think. Let's so, go. but let's see if they pick up on that and our true listeners will. So we'll see. It's just, yeah. it's all a fun game here. <laughs> Looking at you, Jewett. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. <laughs> that covers basically all that we've been doing for the last uh, five months. So I think there's nothing left to be said there. No, I think now it's just time to get straight into the talking of sports. We have, we have to get into sports, right? That's what this thing's all about. I think so. We have to start, Greg, with uh, a subject that's near and dear to my heart. Forget LeBron the Warriors James. winning the NBA Finals. <laughs> I'm over that. You know, forget Chris Paul moving teams. Um, you know, forget... The continued saga of LeBron James, will he or won't he leave Cleveland after this season? All the off-season craziness that's gone on uh, in the last week, we have seen the biggest move yet. It's Kyrie Irving to the Celtics, allegedly, and we'll get into that too. Yes, for, not official. Not official. Not official for Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, Ante Zizic. And, I don't know how you say it. <laughs> We're gonna go ahead with yes, and then finally with the final Brooklyn pick, the final, uh, the final piece that the next year's uh, correct 2018. Next year's 2018's Brooklyn pick, the final Brooklyn pick that the Celtics have access to, all going to the Cleveland Cavaliers for Kyrie Irving, maybe. Um, so before we get into the drama that's been unfolding, Greg, what were your initial thoughts on the trade? Uh, initial thoughts on the trade were basically when you sent me the text to notify me of the trade, and it was holy shit. I mean, we had heard about the trade rumors. A lot of different places Kyrie was talked about going. Boston was one of those areas that it was talked about. But in my mind, never, ever, ever thought Trader Danny was going to make that happen. Because he didn't go after Paul George. He didn't go after Jimmy Butler. Two guys that you thought would be clear options for them to go after. But no, he uh, came out of nowhere, out of the sky. And just was like, you know what? Let's just give it all up for uh, Kyrie. And it shocked me. But then as it kind of came out more, it wasn't that crazy, except for I actually think throwing the Jay Crowder uh, in there actually was one of those slight above too far type things. I thought that was pushing it. And now that they're trying to get extra compensation, might be crazier if they somehow get something. It was a, it was a mixed bag for me because I didn't really know – I mean, every take in the internet right now is that they gave up too much for Kyrie. You know, they gave up a Brooklyn pick. They gave up a valuable asset, obviously, and Thomas, who is the second-team All-NBA player, who is in the top five of MVP voting, if I'm not mistaken. I think he was, yeah. Um, you know, a bona fide scorer was led the East in scoring and was the main uh, offensive threat on the number one seed in the East. That alone is a lot. Plus, you give up Jay Crowder, who is on an incredibly favorable contract, who's got a wing, uh, who's you know provides amazing wing defense and occasional three-point shooting, and then you give up Zizic, you know, who's a promising young big man who can you know grab some rebounds. An area where the Celtics, by the way, are very weak. Very. And then finally, you give up the Brooklyn pick, which we've talked about. You know, these Brooklyn picks the last like three years, you know, as just gold mines, um, just real legitimate pieces. So. You know, everyone is looking at this and saying, you know, is this too much for Kyrie? And I definitively, Greg, say no, absolutely not. I love it. I love it. How could you not love it? I I mean, it's a younger IT, basically. It's basically a younger IT you're getting. Look, I miss Isaiah. Don't get me wrong. I love that dude. And he actually not gone yet. He's not gone yet. Well, okay, let's talk about this after. But uh, (laughs) after our initial thoughts, we'll get to what happened after this. But you know, I just, I, 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 he was the, per, he was the person that single-handedly made Celtics games worth going to again for these last couple of years, and I really 
have nothing but love for that dude uh, after all he went through during the season and all the adversity he had to play through and all of the accomplishments that he made uh, as a Celtic this season. He will go down in Celtics lore as like a folk hero. But you don't win championships with folk heroes. You don't. You really don't. You win championships with bona fide superstars. So in my mind, there's levels of superstar in the NBA. There's A level, B level, C level, and like D level of superstars or stars, whatever you want to call them. I'd love to one day get into those who fits in what for you. Yeah, and that's a good podcast. I think that we should do that uh, actually for the NBA. We'll make a note. Um, We'll make a note. Good. A, B, C, and D. Note this 17 minutes in. Exactly. But in my opinion, Isaiah Thomas broke into the B star category uh, this season um, where he's, you know, an exceptional player. He's a star player. There's no doubt about it. He's a star. Um, But I don't know if you could win with a B as your main star. Like you've never really been a championship outside of like, you know, the classic examples, the 2004 Detroit Pistons where Rasheed Wallace was like a B superstar, right? Yeah, him and Ben, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Those were like B stars who led the team to the championship. And that's always like the main example, but there's never really been anything else. Isaiah Thomas is a B superstar. Kyrie Irving is an A superstar. He is a blue chip, 25-year-old talent um, that could easily be in the, if not the best point guard in the entire NBA. So I I think think you have to make that trade. And – you know, the Brooklyn pick, you know, that's kind of like the sticking point with a lot of people. What are you using the Brooklyn pick for? Just to be honest with you, like we have used two Brooklyn picks so far. Uh, three, I think, actually, because no, Marcus Smart was a Celtics pick. Never mind. We used two Brooklyn picks. Jalen so Brown, uh, Brown and Jason Tatum. Tatum. Those are the two guys. And as much as I really love Jalen Brown, because I think the dude is amazing and he can jump out of the gym. And I don't have really seen Jason Tatum other than the preseason, which I really did like what I saw. Everybody. But at the same time, I don't think that either of those guys are A talents, you know, like an A-level superstar talent. I think they're B talents, which is really good because when you pair them with an A talent, you really have a team. So that's what the Brooklyn picks are for. They're to get an A-level talent. And if we have to give one up to get one, then I'm fine with that. I mean, you, it's a very good point. You should be on Comcast. You should be on all these major networks in New England that are discussing this because you made some very valid points. The categories, I think you're spot on. Isaiah's like that tier below. Kyrie's definitely a blue chipper. And you got to team up Brown who, you know what? Do you think people would have handled this pick better if they didn't give up the pick for Brooklyn and gave up Brown instead? Not Tatum. I feel like everybody's really high on Tatum right now because of what he did in the summer league, but... If you gave Brown instead of that pick, do you think people would take it better? I don't think so. The reason why Crowder is okay going in this deal, or at least I'm okay with sending Crowder in this deal, is because we still have those wings. Um, even if they're rookies or Jalen Brown's a second year or whatever, um, we still have those that huge wing presence, you know, between Gordon Hayward, you know, obviously who's starting, and then you have Brown and Tatum. You guys can um, really play some small ball this year. Seriously, no, that's a real, that should be a real consideration. And Jay Crowder, I mean, God bless him. He had a couple really good seasons in, in, uh, in Boston here and he, and he earned his pretty a relatively small contract, but you know, he isn't getting you anywhere either. I think Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder were really great stop gaps and really great, um, role players and players for what the Celtics were trying to do, which is stay competitive, but then also keep, keep themselves in the perfect position to acquire a star player when one becomes available. And one became available. Like, you can't sit there and get pissed off at Danny Ainge no. for not having a real plan with what to do with all of these assets if he cashes in the assets when a star player becomes available. That's what good GMs do. That's what Sam Hinkie did. That's what Daryl Morey did. That's what Danny Ainge did. That's what all of these good D- GMs do. When a star player becomes available, you look at your assets and you say, are these assets going to contribute to me winning a championship? If the answer is no, then they're expendable. No, you're absolutely right. And especially with the Celtics, you probably aren't planning for this year to be the year. You need it to be another year or two because obviously LeBron being in Cleveland makes it hard to get through the East. You add Jay Crowder and Isaiah, that team doesn't get worse. They're, if anything, slightly better because Crowder helps them defensively. But the Celtics are putting themselves in a really good position to be the team to beat the next three to four years, especially now with Kyrie and Hayward. They'll get a get you know, chemistry going this year. T 
Tatum gets a year under his belt, Brown gets another year on his belt, and Horford just maybe learns to rebound a little better. I totally agree. And I think that the, I think Horford really at this point is the only person that's not fitting in with this plan. You know, Hayward's a little bit older, not much. Um, Kyrie's 25. The other dudes are, you know, 19 and 20 respectively. Right. So, uh, it's a young team and smarts young too. Right. Smarts younger than Kyrie. Yeah. I think he's like a year or two behind. He'll be, and he has his contract coming up, but now they're in a position to be able to sign him. Well, that's the thing, right? So all of a sudden you've got this young core that you can kind of keep together for a long period of time, hopefully at least, and uh, and kind of build around that and then plug in players where you need to. So you have Hayward in the wing. Um, eventually you're going to need to get rid of Horford because he just doesn't really fit at the no, end of the day. One name I heard being floated out this year that could be a possibility to bring is Tony Allen as a veteran defensive presence, which something Celtics probably do need. Hey, I loved Tony Allen when he was on the Celtics, man. I loved I that. He's got he, the history. He was great. Um, okay. So those were our initial thoughts for the trade. I was all in. Greg thought it was a little bit of an overpay. I understand both sides of the story, but I am so all in on Kyrie until a Woj bomb drops right on me over the weekend. <laughs> Hate it. Oh, those Woj bombs. Gotta, so, you got to deal with them when they come, though. So it, it comes out, it trickles out that um, after Thomas took his physical, the Cavaliers were less than impressed with the progress on his hip injury. Um, Basically, they were using back channels to kind of communicate that uh, the Celtics weren't totally forthcoming with the extent of Isaiah's hip injury, and that could jeopardize the deal. The caveat with this is that all of this is coming out of, like, really sketchy, unnamed sources um, you know, I mean, I, Woj is, is really reputable. So whatever Woj says, goes, it's White House sort of officials, thing. James, it's White House officials given these leaks. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. So as of today, as of when we record this on a Tuesday night, um, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers have not officially, you know, asked the Celtics for more, but the reports all indicate that in order to get the deal done at some point, it looks like the Cavaliers might ask for an additional asset. And they have their eyes specifically on Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum to complete the deal. Yeah, I think they have till Thursday. Most people believe, if anything, if there is anything else included, it will be one of those late round picks in a few years just to give another pick in. I mean, I don't know what you think. My initial thought on this is take what they gave you. You got kind of a steal anyway with getting Crowder, Thomas, the pick. And you got a center that could help, you know, give Tom's uh, – Thompson, Tristan Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of, I almost said Thomas for some reason, a little bit of break, you know, maybe during the stretch worst case scenario, if it has a bad hip, which he does basically and can't go for a few months, whatever, you still got a team that's going to be a top two in the East. If he can come back healthy and help you in that final month or two, get acquainted with the Cavs, get into that. You have Derek Rose who, Hey, if he can at least be half of what he was in Chicago and kind of what he was in New York, you got at least a decent squad going into uh, the playoffs for a good run. Yeah. I mean, you know, looking at it from a Celtics point of view, the Cavaliers at least were universally applauded for this deal. Um, Mm -hmm. Talking about how, what a great haul they got for Kyrie, you know, a disgruntled superstar uh, and the Cavaliers have zero leverage. Um, And, you know, at the end of the day, they got, they got an asset that helps them compete now and future assets. Um, so that's about as well as you're going to do, um, to come back and then, and then kind of try to use this hip thing uh, as higher leverage for more stuff. I think that that would just, I think that'd be a disaster for the Cavs. I don't think that the Cavs are going to get anything better than the deal they offered right now, uh, that they're getting right now, and that they could really threaten to, uh, lose that haul and have a really disgruntled superstar come back to their team. If they decide to push this thing, I think that this is going to go through. And I'm going to be totally honest with you. I think that this deal is going to go through as is. At the worst case scenario, they put in like a late round pick somewhere. But I really don't think that that's going to be the case. I think that, you know, the Cavs are going to kind of see like, hey, we need to save face here a little bit. Like we can't, we can't, you know, trade for a guy that's got a hip injury and then, you know, turn around and be like, oh, shit, he's got a hip injury. (laughs) You know what I mean? I think this is going to go through. Everybody in the league knew. Everybody knew. But everything positive that I said about this deal, Greg, goes right down the toilet if the Celtics at all engage with them on this Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum bullshit. Yeah, I mean, there's one part of me that feels like the deal should go through as it is. 
there's the other little tingling in the back of my mind that's like maybe Danny Ainge is going to try to do some weird type of thing where he's like, listen, instead of the pick and Azich or whatever the hell his name is, we give you Jalen Brown or something like that. And he tries to flip it up even more and ends up actually working out worse for the Celtics because you never know what's going to happen with the draft pick. You know what you have in Jalen. You know what you have in Tatum. Just get the Cavs on board to stick with what it is and push through. And hopefully it works out for both sides. And IT's hip keeps him out maybe a month or two. Worst case scenario, he's back in January. Type yeah, I, I totally agree. I just really think that this uh, this could go south of the Celtics. The Celtics gave up exactly the right amount for Kyrie. That is yeah. a perfect superstar trade. I think it works on both sides. The Celtics get the star they wanted, and the Cavaliers get to kind of move on from Kyrie, get an asset, or a player that helps them compete now with uh, a plan for the future. I yeah. think it's the perfect trade on all sides. I really just think that they need to – that Cleveland needs to take a look, say, hey, this hip thing is not nearly as bad as we thought. Um, or even if it is kind of bad, whatever. You have a backup point guard for a reason. You have fucking LeBron James. Like, yeah. get over it. Like, um, you have an asset prepared for a first top pick, top three pick. In case LeBron does leave, take it, yeah. shut up. You won this. Go. I, I don't, they didn't even win, but they got a good haul, and I think this is appropriate, and let's move on. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's where we are in the Kyrie Irving trade. Um, any developments that happen, they're probably going to happen within the next week. So we'll probably keep you updated on the next podcast. Um, the next podcast, we're also going to try to do a big NFL preview. So watch out for that. Yep. Um, and you know, the, the later the podcast gets, the more angry I get because Greg, the added bonus of the new podcast time is that we each, uh, get to drink while we do it. That's exact. I mean, I could drink whenever cause I, you know, just don't care about life, but you actually have a nine to five and have to be somewhat sober yeah well i mean it's tuesday and i'm, and I'm about a half half bottled down with this wine let's That's see what happens by the end of the podcast by the end of it i'm gonna be pretty excited about the patriots this season anyway we're gonna get into let's get the irish drunkenness going and we'll get into the mcgregor mayweather fight because that was big this weekend we can talk about that a little bit uh because you know we don't need to spend much time it was a decent fight and if you don't yeah, know by now uh, i did i uh Watched it on Twitter with all the illegals. <laughs> That's the way you do it. Because I was in bed. It was like one in the morning. I saw it got delayed and I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Uh, okay. <laughs> Let's just see who has it on Periscope. And that's what I did. So. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. It was the um, only, I mean, did you actually watch it? Did you pay for it? I did not pay for it. No, I watched it. I didn't Keep pay thing. for it. So let me let's get into it a little bit. We don't need to spend a ton of time on this. I think that uh, my takeaways from the McGregor Mayweather fight: a, the hype was so fucking crazy. This oh fight. yeah, this over the top. Um, you know, uh, boxing is boxing hype is excessive in and of itself, but I don't remember personalities like this going at it in a long time. You know, the Mayweather Pacquiao fight didn't have this sort of hype because Pacquiao is just not that kind of personality. No, but these guys were both just kind of larger than life personalities. And that kind of made this whole thing um, kind of fun in that sense. Yeah. The illiterate versus the racist is kind of what it was being built up as. Well, okay. So that's my point B is that as much fun as it was having these two personalities, it felt pretty gross. Yeah. It, I felt dirty. I think a lot of people felt dirty. But everybody watch it because it was this pure curiosity of could McGregor somehow do something? Yeah, I mean, like Mayweather is like kind of a detestable human being when yep. you really kind of break into his personal life and all the misconduct that's going on. Um, you know, and then McGregor had to go ahead and double down on the detestableness by, you know, spewing racist comments. Yeah, I mean, overall, McGregor, from all the stories I've always heard about him and stuff, Seems like a halfway decent guy, you know, was homeless, that story with his wife now and all of that and like what he came from and what he does. And then at the press conferences, just throwing out things like dance for me, boy, and things like that. It was just like, come on, didn't need yeah. to do it. Uh, but it all led up to this massive event this past weekend in Vegas. Celebs out the wazoo showing up. LeBron right. ringside, Steve Harvey ringside. I mean, just those two alone would have made <laughs> the it. The A-list. Yeah, that's an A-list right there. James, remember A-list superstars, B-list superstars, C-list, Steve Harvey, LeBron James, A-listers. Oh, you love this, huh? I, I, I struck a chord there. You did. But no. um, what did you, you think of the actual fight? Uh, 
surprising actually i wasn't sure what to expect had no idea what to think about what the fighting style was going to look like i kind of thought mayweather was just gonna you know i figured he would dance the first round or so at least make it go around a few rounds and then he would just maybe take control because mcgregor's a ufc fighter he comes out all he wants to do is go hard quick that's it and then he came out all I kept thinking about was like, you no, know, like when cats play with yarn and they just have the one paw out and they just like kind of bat. Yeah. That's all I kept thinking about McGregor's fighting stance because he just had the right arm out the whole time. And he just like was kind of like, no, you can't get me. I'm going to hit you first. If anything, it's all I kept thinking of. That was my first initial thought. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I, you know, I, I don't think that McGregor, I don't think that Mayweather for a second had this fight. Uh, that, that this fight was in jeopardy for Mayweather for a second. Like, I think that the first three rounds, can, uh, the, like the, the famous first three rounds at this yeah. point, can be construed, you know, one of two ways. The one take I've heard is that, you know, Mayweather was kind of taken aback by McGregor's aggressive style and his kind of irregular, um, you know, punching fluidity because he's not a boxer. <laughs> like, let's go ahead and throw that out there. He's not an actual boxer. So, you know, his fighting style was a little unorthodox and it kind of threw Mayweather, you know, or you can interpret it as Mayweather did what he always does, which is just play defense until his opponent's gassed and then, you know, just hit him with all the punches in the world. Yeah. And I was telling people, I wish that we had been recording before this, Greg, because I was telling people over and over and over and over again, every time that somebody tried to spit a hot take of McGregor at me, I was looked at him and I was like, have you ever watched a Mayweather fight? Like, there's no way that McGregor stands a chance. There's just no way. He, all he is is defensive. He runs. He ducks. He weaves. He's very good at avoiding hits. Exactly. Uh, I mean, the the, the May, Mayweather's biggest talent is not punching. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's just it, – it, it, it's moving just enough that you're not really hit. I mean, to like, put it in perspective, it, his last – nine of his last ten fights were decisions. He went 12 rounds in every single fight because all he does is – he goes the distance. He makes sure he gets those late round wins and he keeps the rounds in the beginning close. That's all he has to do. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know what? People have been so obsessed with, you know, in boxing with the big punch and the big knockout. And that's part of the reason why MMA has been so successful is because it has those wow factor uh, and those wow moments that boxing has sort of lacked in the last few years. And in about half the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you have the people that are really getting like actually legitimately knocked out so it's part of the reason why mma was so exciting and i think people are kind of translating that to this fight saying there's gonna be some big knockout but it was tko and you know mcgregor never even hit the ground and it was because he was gassed it's because he spent he spent 10 rounds trying to hit someone who cannot be hit no and he hit him more than most boxers ever do in a fight i mean yeah exactly he landed 111 hits he hit 26 percent of his uh punches thrown I was looking at, but he threw, he had landed more than 21 more uh, hits than Pacquiao did. And Pacquiao won a full 12 rounds. Yeah. No, I mean, McGregor was definitely more, you know, aggressive and that sort of contributed to it. But at the same time, even if it was a little bit different of a style, and even if, you know, McGregor still landed more punches than normal, uh, and, and even, you know, if it did end in a TKO, it was a classic Mayweather fight. Oh, yeah. There was. It was exactly what I expected was going to happen, exactly what apparently the Vegas Sharks expected was going to happen because they really kind of loaded up on, uh, on Mayweather. And, and I don't think that anybody should, should be surprised with the outcome here uh, because at the end of the day, Mayweather is the greatest boxer of this generation. And at the end of the day, both guys did it literally for one thing and one thing only, and it was for the money. I mean, It's like if I was the best wiffle ball player, Greg, I wouldn't then subsequently be like, hey, I'm going to go do batting practice against Chris Sale. And see what happens. <laughs> but if I do, pay me thirty million. He can get a hundred million, and we'll call it even. We'll call right, it well, even. In that case, I'm in. Yeah. If I right, can exactly. use an aluminum bat and just get bat on ball <laughs> one time, I'd be actually, I'd actually be pretty happy with that. Everybody would. I mean, um, but yeah, no. I mean, getting ten rounds out of that fight alone was worth it for people to spend that money on because most thought it was going to go three or four rounds. A lot of people out there thought McGregor was going to come out. So strong, so aggressive that Mayweather was going to be shocked, get one hit, go to the ground, and it was going to be that. Or everybody else, like in your camp, which was the majority camp, was like Mayweather's just going to wear him down, and like after four rounds, he's just going to lay a finger on him. He's going to fall to the ground and be done. Yep. I think we can both definitively say that this this, uh, match at least was better than uh, 
you know, Mayweather Pacquiao. And I think that's the only thing that really matters. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's going to get way more pay-per-views than uh, Canelo Triple G probably coming up too, which kind of sucks for boxing, but that's yeah, how it goes. That's what it is, right? You got to get the personalities. Yeah, that's all, um, it's all about. Anything else on this before we, uh, before we wrap it up? No, except uh, the only thing it did say is the only downside about McGregor not winning was we couldn't hear more of that damn catchy song that Irishman made. Did you hear that song? <laughs> I was really good. I was, was into that. I was like, this is um, super catchy. That's the only disappointment. I wanted him to like be plastered over like Spotify and McGregor just blasted through the speakers when the fight was over if he won. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? It's the only downside. Uh, okay, that was Mayweather McGregor. We like that. Moving on, uh, the NFL is ramping up. And like I said earlier, Greg, I think that next week is a week for us to do a full preview. Uh, I think so. You know, I don't think it's going to be like a crazy long thing. I have a couple ideas for the format, and we'll talk about that afterwards. But I agree. <laughs> um, but we, it would not be the sports stands if we just kind of let let all these uh, injuries go without at least commenting on them. No, it wouldn't. And it wouldn't be us if we didn't talk about Patriot injuries specifically. Ah, uh, this hurts. Um, so I think that maybe we can kind of go through the list here and figure out who the most impactful injuries uh, so far are. Um, the one that you're talking about and the big glaring one right now is Julian Edelman. Yep. Uh, Julian Edelman pretty big. Uh, has torn his ACL. Torn it or yeah. sprained it? You know, it's, it's got to get repaired completely. He's done. If it was sprained, yeah, so he, he could have probably come back. Yeah, he is, he is done for the season. Uh, Tom Brady's number one targeted receiver in the last like, four years um, is out for the entire season. Um, and, you know, I'm not concerned about the Patriots at the end of the day because I think the Patriots have so many weapons that it, it and they're such a next man up mentality that I, I think mean, it's going to be okay. Brandon Cooks is literally just going to step in and do what Julian Edelman's done the past four years. Well, you know, or Danny Amendola, you know, or Chris Hogan, uh, or Brock whatever, you know, yeah, or whatever white guy that they have that they pulled off the streets, right? I but, think you might be getting a tryout soon, actually, right, James? Hey, I've got the beard for it, so I'm basically a patriot. You've got the height for it, too, so I mean, I know. you're like in that exact wheelhouse of Belichick's favorite. Let's <laughs> I think we're really, <laughs> fair enough. I think what really bothers me about this whole situation, though, is not the fact that the Patriots gonna be are, are going to suffer from this. It's just that Edelman – like the Patriots were gearing up for basically a monster season. Yeah. Um, between all the acquisitions that they made, uh, all the trades that they made, um, and it's been really – they were gearing up for this monster season where everyone was like really legitimately predicting 16-0. and 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 then the last week of the preseason, this last week has been really weird. You know, they they lost Julian Edelman for the season, which has been a real downer. You know, he's a fan favorite for good reason. And uh, and they cut Coney Ealy, who they traded yeah. for the Panthers. He was that their was big defensive move. end. You know, he was their big acquisition. He was the one that people were very excited about. You know, joining this defense, and it was. Uh, and then they just cut him randomly. And now he's on the Jets. And now he's on the Jets. So it it's that's just the last. You know, week, you leave it to Bill Belichick, right? You know, when everyone's, you know, uh, got singing the Patriots' praises to leave a, a pretty bad taste in people's mouths. Yeah, I mean, but he's a genius and he's going to figure it out and it's going to piss me off the whole season. So it'll be fun to discuss that all week one through 16. I don't think that you notice this because why would you notice this? But last night during our fantasy football draft, <laughs> the last couple of rounds, I just drafted all of the Patriots wide receivers. I'm like, well, one of these motherfuckers is going to, you know, replace Julian Edelman. I did not notice that, but it's probably actually not a bad move. I did the night before my family draft, make sure I grabbed Brandon Cooks because I was like, hey, it's the Patriots, but Edelman's gone. Cooks is going to probably get like 200 catches this year, so it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I was like, I don't know any of these wide receivers, but I drafted Amendola, Hogan. I'm like, I don't know anybody else, uh, but I'm just going to draft all these people that very – realistically could replace Julian Edelman pick up all five of their running backs that they're planning on using I do have Dion Lewis uh, and I thought about Rex Burkhead for a little bit but I I refrained because you know what restraint Greg yeah Uh, good call at restraining at Rex Uh, may have been pushing it appreciate it Um, the other big injuries that are coming out of this training camp so far um, I think uh, the biggest one at least one of the biggest ones in my opinion is the Joe Flacco injury yeah you heard his back right there's just not a lot going on with him right now. Um, you know, he's close to being medically cleared for practice, but I mean, 
the, the Ravens don't have a lot going for them this season. Uh, that's always a really tough division. And to have your quarterback kind of go into the season and be pretty questionable uh, and not get any reps, that's tough. The Ravens in general have just gotten hit by the injury bug this year. I mean, just to put it in perspective on their team, let me quickly find it. I'm looking at team with injuries because they got a bunch. They have like their – they've lost two tight ends. They've lost a wide receiver. They've lost two running backs. Yeah, and, Danny Woodhead. Yeah, I mean, you have guys – we have one guy on the IR, three that are definitely out for like a while at least. You have Woodhead who's questionable, Flacco who's questionable, and Brashad Perriman who they drafted like three years ago. And I think he's seen the field a total of once. And he was supposed to be like their big new wide receiver to go along with like Mike Wallace when they got him. Yeah, exactly. I think the only thing that can make the Baltimore Ravens feel any better is that the Cincinnati Bengals aren't doing that well either. They are, uh, they currently have two major players on their, uh, you know, are under questionable and Tyler Eifert and Jeremy Hill. And then also uh, Vontae's perfect. <laughs> the dirtiest linebacker in the league is of course, uh, serving a five-game suspension for an illegal hit last, uh, or excuse me, earlier this preseason. Pending, all right? It's pending. <laughs> Whatever. Same thing. Yeah, um, injury bugs all over. You got Ryan Tannehill for the Dolphins who tore his ACL in a practice. Uh, yep, and if, if you want to keep going with the quarterback thing too, you have Paxton Lynch for the Denver Broncos who has a shoulder sprain that'll keep him out a few weeks. Andrew Luck, nobody knows what the hell is going on with him, but that was from like last year. That's still going on. Yeah, I mean, it's probably from not ever drafting any offensive linemen to protect their quarterback, but what do I know? I'm not an NFL GM. No, I, I don't think that position is actually that important, James. At least I don't – I've been told. Yeah, exactly. By the the Patriots have never drafted any <laughs> offensive linemen early in the, in the draft, so, I mean, it's going well for them. No, it's not like the Cleveland uh, Browns' best player is an offensive tackle, and that's saying a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that the moral of the story is, you know, with all these injuries that are that are, um, you know, been pretty prevalent in here – um, this is going to be an interesting year in the NFL. You know, the Patriots definitely loom large, but um, I, it's kind of unclear uh, what's going to be happening within the divisions, um, you know, which teams are going to be coming out of, uh, you know, where. I think that the Patriots, you know, are, are kind of like they're, you know, the favorite in the East, and then everything else is kind of up for grabs right now. I don't really think that there any, there's any other division that's totally locked down. No, I would probably agree with you there. I mean, most divisions, at least this year, it seems are kind of a toss-up. The only ones that I would say have at least a front runner are, I would say the AFC West, I would give it to the Raiders right now. Most people, I would say, have their money on them. Yeah, that's probably true. And then uh, if you're looking at the NFC in any way, I mean, the Packers, I feel like, always are the team that everybody says is the one to beat in the North, and that's about it. That's true, yeah. But the Vikings were good last year, and I think they could be good this year. Um I mean, it, it's just a, it's a toss-up all around. Uh, you know, the NFL is exactly where it wants to be. It's injury-riddled and has a ton of parity. So there you go. A bunch of suspensions, a bunch of injuries. Spencer Ware, I mean, another big one we didn't even mention at least yet. Yeah. The Out only the, things that are undefeated are death taxes in the NFL. And the Dallas Cowboys getting like 17 players suspended before the season starts. <laughs> oh, it's messy. It is. I mean, who knows? Who It'll be really interesting to see what happens this year. Fantasy is going to be fun as always because who the hell knows who's showing up, who's not. Not me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I told you before this draft, uh, this whole podcast started today that our league actually has everybody paid, and that's a first. So any fantasy commissioners out there that haven't gotten paid, uh, hit me up for some tips. It's called uh, just basically narking on whoever hasn't paid in front of a large audience until they finally cave. I did the trick last night. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Oh, God, it's taking all of my being, not to brag about my fantasy football team right now. It's like the least least fun thing that anyone wants to hear is actually bragging about your fantasy football team. But God, hey, how will you wait till like week one's passed and then you can brag? We'll give all you right. like a three minute span every podcast. James fantasy football brag corner. All right, we'll think about it. Uh, I think that we want to end this episode uh, with a little ball talk. A little yeah. baseball. A little baseball. You know, this past weekend, nice little ding there to show the next subject coming up, apparently. <laughs> stuff on my phone that I keep track of. Uh, this past weekend was Players Weekend, and that's basically what I want to touch on. I wanted to know thoughts first off, in general. Then I'm going to go through some of the names, top five, top worst uh, ones, get your thoughts. But Players Weekend overall, did you think it was a good idea or a bad idea? Bad idea. Now, here's the reason. The, NBA, the MLB is... 
I think, in my opinion, the uh, the league that can be held up of having the most like blatant issues and then just like not solving any of them or taking like or taking like the weird ways to try to say like, hey, this is going to solve these issues. Like baseball's issues right now are that, you know, no one wants to watch it because it's so long. Uh, millennials aren't as engaged with the game and they're not licensing any of their clips to any sports highlight sites uh, to show, you know, the amazing plays that happen besides ESPN. Actually breaking. Uh, I don't know if you saw this yesterday. Barstool sports actually got a signature deal with MLB to show clips. Well, that's a good step in the right direction. And that's yeah. a, that's a good decision. Uh, I think the other problems that plague baseball right now is a personality crisis. You know, it's kind of fun and all that kind of stuff when you have unwritten rules of baseball and, you know, keep your head down, act like you've been there rules in the, uh, in the 20th century, but in the 21st century, it doesn't really work that well. No. Um, all of these things are all coming to a head. So the NFL, uh, the MLB, excuse me, says, what should we do about all this? Let's let players put stupid nicknames on the back of their jersey. I hate this. I hate when leagues do this. Put my nickname on the back of the jersey? What if you don't have a nickname? What if you don't actually go by your self-given nickname? What if your nickname is fucking stupid? What if your nickname is not suitable for work? What if your nickname is not suitable for kids? What if the nickname doesn't fit on the jersey? What if the nickname is too small for the jersey? Like, I don't get the whole nickname thing. Hey, James, you what's this? your nickname? I don't even have a nickname. I don't even have a nickname. Do you know what my nickname is at work right now? I started a new job, and I was really good at Jeopardy. They called me Jeopardy James for like two weeks. I'm not going to put that on the back of a fucking jersey. I'm going to buy you a jersey for Christmas. It's going to say Jeopardy James. <laughs> you better not, because that's a stupid fucking nickname. But if I was in the MLB, I would have to pick something. So I'd pick like, I don't know, Big Nuts or something. Because like at That'd least that would be funny. But no one had good nicknames in this thing. Uh, they all sucked. I'm going to prove um, you wrong with our thing in a minute. And I just hate this stuff. What's the other – there's been other leagues that have done this before. I, I think the NBA, the NBA did, did it. Time. The NBA does it like once a year where they all get to wear their nicknames. And yeah, it's I, I hate the exact it. same thing. They're, they're so lame. They're so cheesy. And what's the goal here? The goal here is to sell these jerseys on MLB.com or whatever. Like who is going to go buy a nickname jersey? Uh, I don't know. Uh, there's definitely going to be somebody that has the same nickname as a player, and they're like, I'm going to get that because it's going to be so fun and so cool. Hey, baseball, do you want to sell jerseys? Get the game under five hours of pop, and then maybe you'll sell a fucking jersey. Maybe also start promoting your really young players like Mike Trout. Maybe let people know who he actually is and what he looks like, uh, things yeah. like that. Hey, the best player in baseball plays this game every single day at 1030 on the East Coast. Let's go ahead and grow the game that way. Good yeah. call. Let's uh, hey, uh, Nationals. When we have Trout versus Harper coming on ESPN, let's bench Harper. Smart move, good idea. Yeah, exactly. Hey, but, do you guys want to stay up until uh, three in the morning to watch the Los Angeles Angels, who, by the way, are uh, just two games over five hundred. So yeah, it's it's, it's pretty big. You want to watch for example, and a no-name fifth uh, rotation pitcher that will be back in the minors by tomorrow. Exactly. Hey, Greg, tonight we have the marquee matchup of the Oakland Athletics, who are 58-73 and 73 against the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Best player in baseball, Mike Trout. Count me uh, in. At home. And it starts at, you know, 1030. I'm, I'm in. I'm going to be up. I'm going to be watching. Good. Exactly. So yeah. that's, that's why you're not selling jerseys, MLB. It's not because no one's got fucking nicknames on the back. <laughs> but, hey, I agree. I don't think it was the best idea, but I do have to say some guys' nicknames were kind of funny or they did at least have some fun with it. I'm going to give you some of the best considered sure. by SB Nation and some of the worst. And then I'm going to give you one that it should have been on the back as a full nickname and it was not. And it was, a, uh, I think, a travesty. All right, we're going to go. We're going to start with the best. So here are the five greatest ones considered. First one is from Kyle Seeger, who plays for the Mariners. His nickname, Corey's brother. And the reason is his brother, Corey, plays for the Dodgers, way better player than him. Everybody knows who his brother is. So that was his way of saying, I'm his brother. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, like, I, I'm giving you the ones that are considered the best, all right? <laughs> like it's self-referential, like good for you, but uh, that's, what, that's my response. All right. Next one is Wellington Castillo. His nickname, Beef. Did you get it? <laughs> Beef Wellington. I chuckled. I chuckled yeah, at that one. It's a good one. I, I give him credit for that one. 
Uh, Josh Fegley of the A's, of the Oakland A's, who are playing tonight at 1030 against the best player in baseball. Uh, his nickname was PTBNL, which stands for player to be named later because he's been traded all the time in those type of trades. That's kind of funny, and that's definitely like pretty self-referential. Nice tongue-in-cheek for him, yeah. That no one would fucking get that. Nope. Uh, no the one, one gets that unless you're on the internet. The one that a lot of people didn't understand at all was And pickle. I want to quickly before – okay, pickle. But I, I want to quickly like, clarify when I said no one gets that when you're on the internet. No one gets that unless you're on fucking obscure baseball internet. Like not the actual internet. No one gets that unless you're on like SB Nation looking at the rankings of the player nicknamed jerseys. Yeah, unless you're like me. Yeah, exactly. Unless you're Greg Cowan, no one gets that. All right, go ahead. Pickle. All right, so uh, Pickles. You want to know who Pickles was? Uh, hopefully someone named Tommy. Uh, no, Sonny Gray from the Yankees, and nobody has a fucking idea why. <laughs> His name is just Pickles? Just Pickles. His name's uh, already Sonny. Why do you need a fucking nickname? I don't know. Uh, Andrew Knapp from the Phillies uh, had a clever one. He's a pitcher. Nap time. Ah, uh, no. All right. Nope. The last, the nope. last out, one, on, out on Andrew there. The last one that was uh, considered the best one was Brad Hand of the, project, uh, the Padres. His nickname, Bro-Tato. Bro-Tato. Mm-hmm. That's, that's so bad. Yeah. That's so bad. What's yeah. his last name? Uh, his last name is Hand. What? It, it couldn't have been Handjob? No, uh, but there was a similar one in the awful list of names that was kind of like that. Uh, so here are some of the most awful ones. First off, uh, Michael Blazek of the Bruisers was just Blaze. <sighs> How he got that past the MLB, I'm not quite sure. All right. For all you uncool kids out there, uh, you can look up why I said that. This, was, this is making me depressed. This is legitimately yeah. making me depressed. Uh, when I say King Kroll, all I think about is how to lose a guy in 10 days, but that was Ian Kroll of the Braves' nickname for the weekend. Okay. Uh, we all know the dumbest one was Aaron Judges, which was All Rise. That's a good t-shirt. That's a horrible back of the jersey nickname. Yeah, it should have just said, instead of Judge, it should have said The Judge or something. Yeah, no, I, I actually love the whole All Rise, like, t-shirt and section and whatever oh, yeah. because his name is Aaron Judge. That's I think that's great. fucking great. I think that's a horrible, horrible back of the name or back of the jersey thing. All right, number four on the worst ones. CT3 was Chris Taylor of the Dodgers, mainly because there's a CP3. Don't try to be like him. Yeah, that's bad. All right, and the worst one comes for our own Boston Red Sox. Doug Fister, fist. I kind of like that. <laughs> it's just, you, you see it on the back. Uh, I was at my in-laws this weekend and my father-in-law saw it and he was just like, that is awful. He goes, that guy had to be tortured in high school. He goes, fist, fister, come on. He's like, really? <laughs> it's like, I, I'm not going to uh, touch it. I, I, can't, I can't think of anything other than I hardly know her jokes. <laughs> that's really right, making right. me laugh <laughs> I, I gotta i gotta give props to dougie oh uh, there you go fist it up we'll fist it for fister um, i love i love can i just do a quick sidebar i love i hardly know her jokes like anytime that there's an er at the end of anything <laughs> always i hardly know her and even when it's not even it doesn't fit at all it, it just makes me laugh so hard you're sitting at like somebody's funeral and somebody mentions something and you're just like giggling and like what? Uh, don't I? It's inappropriate at this time. I'm I'm so, it's just so yeah funny. exactly. <laughs> somebody's like landscaping outside and being like oh, the lawnmower. Like mower? I hardly know her. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's oh, it's a good time. I'm gonna bring this back on the rails real quick. Uh, the biggest travesty though was probably another Red Sox player. Uh, Andrew Benatendi's nickname was uh, Benny. Just add the biceps yeah. on it. Just Everyone add, knows it's Benny Biceps. It's Benny Biceps. I mean, come on. I mean, that was the biggest travesty I thought of the whole weekend. If that was on a jersey, I may have bought that jersey just because. Oh, but it had God. to be. It would have to be I like would. a wild thing, cutoff type jersey. That you missed a big opportunity to to uh, buy that jersey because I would have made fun of your ass forever. Well, that good at least would have guaranteed would have guaranteed some good content for the podcast for years to come. That's all that matters. 
All right. Well, that's that's MLB's Players Weekend. I think that yeah. we can both agree that I'm depressed. This is a bad, bad thing to end on, Greg. I'm disappointed in you. I'm sorry. Uh, we can try to figure out one last thing. Uh, Matthew Stafford's contract deal for $135 million, five-year extension. That makes me more disappointed. <laughs> that makes me more depressed. <laughs> I, I had to figure out something worse the than go. baseball. Yep. We'll talk about Matthew Stafford next week during NFL playoffs. Is there anything else you want to touch on, Greg, before we bring this thing down to uh, – Bring this thing into Sports Stance Station. No, I don't think so. I think it was a good first episode back, getting the kinks out, getting the dust off. Uh, you I know, like it. Stretch it out a little loose. bit, you know? Bring good. it to the new confines of our uh, recording area. Well, because next week we're going to get serious. Next week we're going to break into the entire NFL. We're going to get you prepped for the 2017-2018 NFL season. Uh, we're going to do some predictions. We're going to do some previews. We're going to talk about what we're most excited about. A lot of stats. <laughs> a lot of stats. I want to bring stats. I'm going to bring stats Let's to the table. Sheets. Microsoft Outlook sheets of stats on stats on stats. They're called Excel spreadsheets, Greg. Whatever. But uh, I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate your Microsoft Office knowledge. Yeah, I don't even know what I just said. I thought I actually said that, but I guess I didn't. No, you get excited. I don't blame you. Um, all right, man. <laughs> I'm well, so excited about applications on computers. <laughs> <laughs> Office applications. Uh. Well, we're going to bring this thing in for a close for all of us here at the sports stance. Thank you guys for listening again. Thank you guys for sticking with us. And I hope that you listen uh, going forward. We're going to try to make this thing a regular thing again. Um, sorry to get serious at the very end. Until then, thank you, Greg. Uh, thank you, Jay. And I'll see you, I'll see you next week. Oh, we'll see you all next week. Have a good one. The Sports, the sports Stance. stance.